you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Tyler Freeland, and welcome to the Brandex Cleveland Podcast, a forum where expert voices come together, united for one purpose, to help businesses and causes survive, and ultimately find success through crisis. And we have a little bit of fun along the way. You can find this episode, as well as previous episodes, at brandxcleveland.com. That's brandxcleveland.com. On this episode of the Brandex Cleveland Podcast, I sit down with Sam Sherwood, Principal Engineering Consultant at Hey Ya LLC, a digital architect, an engineer, a developer, creator, teacher, and listener. Sam Sherwood takes the complexity of the digital world and makes it easy to navigate for his clients and the audience looking to explore. In this particular episode, you'll find that Sam Sherwood is multifaceted, inventive, creating, and all-around enthusiastic to solve the next digital problem. Not so much technical, but more educational. This conversation is about what Sam can do for business, both in the front and behind the digital screen. Here's Sam Sherwood on the brand seat. Uh, Sam Sherwood, I am the Principal Experience Engineering Consultant at Haya LLC, and I would describe myself as uh, inventive. Take me back. I like to go. I always like to go back to the beginning. Um, so, when what did Sam want to be when you were growing up? What were your <laughs> interests as a kid? Yeah, um, you know. So I was. I. I mean. If we're going way back, I always wanted to be an astronaut. I always thought space was like my my next stop. Actually, in my in our our kids' room, we put up a accurate um, uh, starscape down there, down to actual constellations. So we spent the whole oh wow putting up a grid work. And, that is uh, awesome. Yeah, it is an over engineered uh, <laughs> uh, situation in the, in the basement, um, but but it's great, you know. So. You know, they'll grow up not necessarily knowing what any of them are, but at least they'll know the general <laughs> location. Uh, drawing the lines was also interesting. But anyway, to that effect, so I live my, my dreams like anybody else through my children. Um, and uh, following that, I thought I would actually go into computer engineering. Um, funnily enough, I had this thought coming out of school that I was not interested in programming. Like I really <laughs> wanted to be in the electronics of it. And then uh, I got a decent way into my education in, in college uh, in, in computer engineering. Started to learn that there was actually a lot of software there too. Um, yeah. And um, I honestly, I've always enjoyed it to a certain extent, but I didn't think I wanted to do it forever. Um, I also, uh, no slight against engineers. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of my, my crowd. <laughs> so, okay. That's fair uh, enough. Yeah. It was, it, it just wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good cultural fit. So I ended up, uh, dropping out of college after three years mm -hmm. and, uh, went out on my own. So that was actually my first time trying to do freelancing. I actually saw myself at the time as more of a designer. And so um, I was doing just every odd job under the sun, uh, trying mm -hmm. to pull in work and living at home and basically being like, you know, the, the starving college dropout. Um, I went uh, and actually got a job uh, from that doing uh, digital work 
for a women's clothing catalog company. And okay. that's where I really started to kind of wear uh, multiple hats and not um, of the catalog variety, but like the you know, metaphorical. And so I was doing like photo cleanup and digital strategy for the actual website. It was an e-commerce site. And back in the day, e-commerce definitely meant something a lot different from what it means today. Um, mm -hmm. A lot less secure, uh, somewhat frightening. But, you know, it was the, the Wild West of, of e-com. And um, to that end, you know, I got to know uh, the different like warehouse processes and mm -hmm. uh, different bagging and photography and just the, the cruft of, of everything that's involved in running a business of that size. Um, again, uh, from that aspect, that's where I started to like actually like get into the, into more of the digital product side of things uh -huh. uh, before it really was, was called such. So, so uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so, from, you know, from there, I went into um, my agency life and I spent you know, 12 years um, doing that uh, from the clinic to an agency to then back to where I am today. But that's, that's where I started. And so what would you consider yourself now? Because this was going to be my next question. Are you, a, are you an engineer? Are you a consultant? Are you an architect? Are you, do you consider yourself a designer? Yeah, it's, really it's like you wear so many hats. Yeah, so um, the the real benefit of doing my business in the first place and, and my, my consulting gig, as it were, is the fact that I do have functional expertise across those different avenues. Um, so while there's definitely better designers out there than myself, there's better engineers for certain. Um, I, I bring enough to bear to understand how to have those conversations and how to smooth over processes between those what are usually disparate groups. So um, as a twofold aspect uh, to, to my day-to-day -day business, uh, I have that benefit of being able to fill my in-between time with the work that's basically like doing doing the work. Right, so I can go and come up with a, uh, a new strategy for a web initiative, I can implement it, I can maintain it, I can do all those things. Um, it keeps me fresh. Uh, I can look at new tech, I can look at new uh, different ways of approaching advertising or marketing and fold those into like future stuff. So it's a good way to actually keep on my toes. And then on the flip side, my, my regular day-to-day uh, you know, -day, is then that consulting stuff. So I can come in and now apply that uh, knowledge to helping other teams kind of execute against mm -hmm. larger stuff. So that's usually a marketing and engineering team, a design team, you've got product folk in there, business people that don't even understand the, the elements that they're talking about. That's, that's right. really where I get to like have the most fun. Right. And um, actually, I'd like to get into that too. How do you, how do you speak such a different language to a client that doesn't even understand the technology aspect of it? Yeah. So it seems very of, difficult. Yeah, it it can be. So one of my biggest pet peeves in in 
talking to people, especially when it comes from the point of technology, is that sometimes folks will beg off from a conversation because they believe they're incapable of understanding the underlying um, concepts. Um, <laughs> and so uh, to that effect, they will um, use loaded terms like trust or uh, faith in other people, but it's really a way to kind of separate yourself, right, from having to understand something, something complex. Uh -huh. um, so I see it as like my charge when I talk to someone, whether that's a client or someone who's teaching me something new, to really understand the underlying elements to what they themselves do or talk about or or you know just operationally how they function mm -hmm. so that I can then take a conversation about something technical and translate it to something that matters to them. So for me it's all about context. Um, typically when I hear that um, someone doesn't find value in something that everyone around them does find valuable it's mm -hmm. usually because it just hasn't been presented in the right way um and so that's that's kind of my deal breaking down uh those barriers uh in that sense um, so a, a technical discussion doesn't have to be technical uh mm -hmm. to the to the point where it's like documentation um, right. but but understanding what's valuable to the individual and then kind of bridging that divide uh is is really what I what I tend to do. I like from what you're saying when you talk about it as like a language. Um, it's mm -hmm. you know it's it's pretty much similar concepts of just trying to find that that shared understanding and then suddenly you're speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. And did you learn? You said that you left uh, college early. You went to Dayton, right? Was it Dayton? Yeah, yeah, I did. I went to University of Dayton. Yeah. And where were you studying there, and why did you decide to go out on your own? Yeah, so I was uh, actually in the um, Honors and Scholars program there. So Dayton's not a huge school. There's about 400 people, at least at the time. So because I'm older. Um, so there, at the time, it was about 400 uh, people in, in a class. There were 40 in the Honors program. What was it? 4,000? Either way, point being, numbers down, there's about 40 people. So as part of that education, um, there was a separate uh, track where you had more uh, philosophy and sociology and other courses like that that were then folded into the mix. Um, make no mistake, there was a lot of drinking in college. Um, of course, of course. That also was a, was a class there. Yeah. But um, there were those added benefits. You did like mix and match with other disciplines. Right. Um, so it wasn't that I was always talking to other engineers uh, uh -huh. in, in that regard. So I, I would say that actually was super beneficial getting some some other perspectives. And then years later, you and Charlene got connected somehow. Can you walk me through that, yeah. Charlene? You're... Um, I think I was Sam's favorite account person. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> We worked together at a, a former agency that we were both at, and yeah. we had a couple projects together. Oh, for sure. But yeah. one huge yeah. project where we had to spend a lot of time together um, 
we traveled down to Dayton together a lot and figure out That's a great. really complex system. Yeah, we remember we went to Dayton like three or four times. Um, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah it was a really- Shout out. That's right. We did stop there a few times. Um, we had to figure out a really complex system for our client down there and Sam was really the lead on that. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we became friends too, through just hanging out in, in the office. I'd go visit Sam if I needed a break and Sam would come down to my office and I'd try and talk tech talk to him and he'd laugh. <laughs> and then what did oh. you see in, <laughs> what did you see in Sam that you brought, uh, that you offered him to you join Brand X? Well, the fact that he put up with me as an account person really stood out. Um, and also he, I'll never forget the day we were in my office and we we're talking how we were going to work through this client problem. And I said something about like, we're going to use their API and I was using the right language. And I'm like, Sam can explain this to me. And I hate technology. Like I just don't get into the weeds. And he was like, yeah, you're explaining this all correctly to explain to the client. So um, the fact that Sam can really explain things so well across right. the board, I think is a real benefit. Um, if we reconnected, I guess it was pre COVID. We went out for coffee we to did. just catch up. And, um, we started talking about what it would be like to partner together, um, and start mm -hmm. working together with twist, um, for our digital part of our agency where we don't really have that in-house expertise and we needed someone um, that we could bring to the table for our clients. And we've been working together now for like a year, I guess. A year, yeah, uh, yeah. COVID, COVID dated type of yeah. uh, uh, aspect to it for sure. Yeah, and it's been great. Yeah, when I, when I first started um, wanting to go out on my own, I had actually approached uh, a, a whole host of folks that, um, and it, it wasn't like a shotgun approach. I had hand-selected people that I knew I wanted to talk to because they had similar experiences in terms of leaving an agency and then moving their way up into positions of, of independence. So um, every time I've made a career move, it's been one around my birthday and then two poorly timed. So um, this particular <laughs> one, we're actually gonna, um, we're expecting our, our second uh, kid. And so naturally that's when you quit your job and get rid of your health insurance. Um, <laughs> so, so you're planning all around that. Um, and you know, it, it, there were a lot of things at play that kind of like made that mm -hmm. not a necessity, but the writing was on the wall. So nevertheless, I did my research is what I'm saying. I did my due diligence and it, the idea wasn't it like anything else, authenticity matters, right? So like where you come from and how you approach other people and why you're actually talking to them, um, governs the response and, and how you also kind of internalize that feedback. So Mm -hmm. I had gone to other clients of our agency at the time to talk to them about going independent, not in order to actually like secure their business, but to right. actually get a better understanding of how they got to where they were. Um, oh, that's great. Invaluable. It was super invaluable. So I yeah. the attention you can get from other people just by asking um, and being nice 
is uh, it's both humbling and gratifying uh, at the same time. So we're talking like CEOs of other other major like corporations and right. like people that I had forged business relationships with just by the nature of having worked on those projects um, uh-huh. was was just hugely helpful. And and some advice, actually, I'd say all of the advice turned out to be true in one sense or another. And I continually go back to it even today and um, and use it in my like just kind of look back scenarios when I when I right. went, yeah. What was some of that advice that you still hold on to? Yeah, I you know, so one of those uh, elements was really about time and um, uh, the planning aspect of it. There were mm-hmm. so I have a pretty decent amount of of, of ego that needs to be checked from time to time and so you know, going in right so so going into this i was like now i can i can do this i give me like three months and i got it like i can i can go from zero to a book of business and i will be fine um and and truth be told i i was fine mainly because i didn't burn any bridges on my way out uh-huh. however uh, the advice I got was actually a minimum of like six to nine months in order to mm. become um, six, not successful, but like profitable and right. uh, self-sustaining, right? Yeah. And and frankly, I didn't think that would be the case, and uh, it it actually ended up being true. If I'm if I'm being honest, it ended up being true. Um, mm-hmm. But I was I was I was okay the entire time. I never really had any sort of like issues providing. I will say. Um, it was, I don't know if, if people understand when, when you're dealing with, um, small businesses, even when you're dealing with agencies that are, um, not massive, the decisions you make to work with them are much more personal than, um, they are with like the larger groups, you know, like by, by doing business with me. I, I also understand that's essentially providing for like my family. And so there's a, there's a personal aspect to it that don't often feel, you know, in the Mm -hmm. larger, larger groups, you you Mm -hmm. can be personable, but taking it personally is a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of their biggest technical challenges that they come to you for support or your expertise? Yeah, um, typically it's when there's a knowledge gap um, that hasn't been um, filled in one sense or another. So um, in the case of one client, they have a a pretty large uh, digital advertising budget and actually spend very little of it. And the reason is more of an analysis paralysis. There's a, there's, a, there's a point where they just can't get beyond making a decision. So typically where I'm coming in is just helping get beyond that, that next hurdle. Um, for, some, uh, for some organizations that's technology driven, it's we don't know what platform or software or 
um, staffing to even uh, begin to consider in order to get to the next uh, stage of like whatever their life cycle is. Uh, yeah. And other times it's just uh, talking through experience and what works and what doesn't. Um, mm -hmm. So, but, but technically speaking, um, it's, it's usually a few different elements all at once coming together that should all be functioning um, in, in their current setup, but mm -hmm. are not. Um, usually I'm, I'm coming into a situation where there's a lot of disparate systems that function independently from one another, but aren't talking to one another. And that can be people, that can be processes, that can be, uh -huh. so, it's, huh. it's, and I kind of break that down. How, how do you know on the client side, Charlene, when to bring the salmon? Anytime there's a question, I don't know the answer. Just kidding. <laughs> um, well, usually it, it's when they're trying to solve for a digital problem and we don't have the expertise in-house. And I know enough, I think, to be dangerous, but not enough to tell you any of the technical information. Like the day I figured out that open API thing was like the best day of my life. Um, but I don't know that otherwise, like day to day, that took Sam teaching me about that, what that all meant and how we were going to connect things together, and what the output is going to be to the client. So it's just knowing when is the right time to bring him in to have that conversation, um, right. and having that expert at the table. And I think that's what clients appreciate too, is mm -hmm. when you bring the expert to the table who can actually talk about it and you're not trying right. to. BS them or lie to them, um, which is why I preach all the time about relationships on account services side and being authentic yeah. and um, building a strong relationship built on trust, not just trying to sell something. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been asked that in the past too, of like, how do you, how do you maintain a book of business? How are you going out and getting new business for the stuff that you do? And in all honesty, I don't, um, I don't have to because of all the, the people that I've come yeah. to know, you know over time. Maybe that won't always be the case, um, and, but I hope it is uh, because right. I don't have to dedicate a lot of time um, to that. Yeah. Do you, with your consulting approach, um, do, you, do you take a lot away from those questions that you asked? Um, from whenever you were about to leave? And also how many websites can you do at one time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's actually the first question that people ask is do you have the <laughs> bandwidth uh, to do this? Um, you know, there's there's efficiency at scale and uh, depending on the, on the thing, right? So um, typically what I've always done is I've tried to maintain a couple um, like paths or avenues so that um, I'm not putting all my eggs into one basket. So I'll have one pipeline that essentially is me working on, on web projects, one to the next to the next. Those all pretty much line up in, in pecking order. And so I'll, they might overlap a little bit, but based on where they are and, and how they're, they're working, you know, one might be putting in content, the next might be in strategy, the next I might be writing an actual proposal for. But overall, I'm finding ways to kind of split my week so that those things just fall from one to the next. 
uh, within reason. And then the other part of my time is uh, dedicated to that, uh, to the consulting part of business, which I can also weave in with running the business. Luckily, I've automated enough of running the business. So my accounting, mm -hmm. my invoicing, all that nonsense, um, right. I've, I've automated away. Um, so typically when I don't like to do something, I try to automate it so I don't have to think about it. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and anything that makes me look better than what I actually am or more put together than what I actually am is the software that I'm willing to invest in. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's usually the case. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, for sure. What's your uh, number one product or service? What's your, what's your Whopper? <laughs> um, in terms of, of, of personal gratification or monetary gratification of the, ser of the services you offer for sure um uh, to, so i will say so i i was talking to uh, a friend and former colleague of mine uh just yesterday and one of the most gratifying things i can have is a person to reiterate something back to me that um from a conversation that we had long ago. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, I like to do a lot of listening, but when you hear something repeated back that you had said because someone else was listening to you, um, there's um, a, real, a real sense of pride that you can take in that. And so the, you know, there's, there's elements of that where people are, are learning ways to think. I like to teach not tech, but a way to really think about tech and, and other like digital you know, problems. Um, so when I get those that come back, that's, that's really kind of my, my big um, sweet spot. And um, most engagements that I get into like that. So right now I'm, I'm doing work for a large organization and um, when the immediate feedback comes right around that says, we're so glad that you're here and helping wow. to break down some of these conversations. Wow. Uh, that's, that's huge to me. And yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't take it lightly. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a large amount of imposter syndrome because when you've just come into a project and someone thanks you for being there and you haven't done yeah. anything, um, that's kind of, it's, you try to square that really quick. You're like, wait a second. So um, I haven't done anything yet. Now there's a lot of pressure to do something, but it's all in your head, you know, and it, it's, it's tough to get beyond that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, to answer your question succinctly, I like teaching. Um, I like informing. That's really great. The, the best part of my job. You have a lot of patience then, I'm sure. Hopefully. Or that most of the time they have patience with you. <laughs> I think that's I like to talk. So if someone can listen to me talk <laughs> for more than 10 minutes at a time. Um, well, I think we're over 10 minutes. I'm still enjoying it. Right. Exactly. My <laughs> favorite is when our team gets emails from you, Sam, and they yell into my office. Do you know what this email means that Sam just sent me? And I just say, just look for the big keywords. Like, is this problem fixed? Yes. Right. Okay. Then we don't need to know the other things. I cover the highlights and give you at least enough info to, yep. to pass along to whomever needs to hear it. So, exactly. 
Yeah. I, I know the team have... really appreciate you, Sam. That's great. Yeah. I, um, I, I got uh, a question earlier in the week from, from another individual that was, so all of this here that you wrote, is that something that you want me to provide like to our client? And I was like, well, that, that's why, that is why I wrote it. Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah go ahead. Like <laughs> there's nothing secretive about anything that, you know, when, when you write it, it's uh, yeah, just pass it along. Let's whatever needs to happen to, to inform the next group, you know, but anyway. From, from a technology standpoint, whenever you're doing some or digital standpoint, What's in the back of your mind when you're maybe say working on a website or something? What is, what are you trying to accomplish? I imagine you're like as a, an painter and a brush and a very technical canvas. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think actually um, that's, that's a really good question. So um, usually what people are thinking about when they're, when they're walking through uh, a technical solution is, uh, the underpinning aspects of it, right? So will this talk to the other systems that we have? Is there going to be like a cost for X, Y, and Z? Does it have these features, that type of thing? Um, I see that as being kind of just anything, anyone can replicate that, right? So you can go in with like a punch list and say, here's what I wanna be able to do. Does it do this? Um, and, and check that box where um, I find more value is understanding the people and the um, underlying like organizational structures that are behind it. So in order to, to work with a variety of sizes of clients, not everyone has like a 10 person engineering team that can help them like actually bring something to bear. Uh, a lot of the time you've got small to medium-sized businesses that don't have any development staff whatsoever, but they have a whole, maybe they have a lot of marketing folks. Maybe they don't, maybe they have zero marketing people and they're purely a bunch of electrical engineers. There's a whole host of scenarios like that. And so I like to tailor both platform selection as well as um, that, whatever that maintenance cycle looks like for the product whatever that product is, I like to tailor to that scale or size of organization. And then also try to get an idea of where they want to go. So mm -hmm. they've got these people now, what are your plans, you know, three years out, five years out to have in terms of a team? And is that something that we can enable by putting the right stuff in place now, investing in the right software now, that kind of sets you up um, for success. Uh, one of my other clients um, wants to build out uh, uh, like a, a database essentially of, of resources, the best way I can describe it without breaking any confidence. And the thing that could get lost in the conversation is how it actually helps the end user. So involving the end user as an actual like stakeholder in, in the process is also a big component of it. And um, typically that gets left on the table as well. Um, but sometimes the end user is the last person that actually has a say on, on a website or a digital product. Uh-huh. What do you see as far as the future goes? 
as far as in, in the digital realm, yeah. what are clients going to be looking for or asking for? And maybe you probably, you may even see it now, something trending. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Like right now, one of the big things, especially when we are talking about like a user centric world is, um, is the idea of privacy. And so when you look at moves that are being made by some of the popular like web browsers, but also the companies, um, privacy starts to be baked into different levels of, of software. And that goes from like third party tracking that you find with like advertising in that world, um, all the way to like your own, you know, iDevices and things like that, you know, stuff that, that has like tracking built into apps and is essentially building a, a picture of the consumer. There's a lot of interesting and scary ways that people don't take ownership of their data and um, from an organizational level, what I see groups doing is if something falls out of style from a privacy angle, instead of trying to meet the needs of the user, there's a discussion around, well, how do we keep doing what we were doing, but around that like restriction, right? And it tends to not address the underlying issue of how do we address privacy with our users that isn't something that's slapped on a website like a giant you know, cookie notification or something like that. Um, right. Nobody likes the cookie notifications. Um, they don't mean anything. So how do we come up with a better solution? Um, and that's, that's typically not part of the discussion. It's just, we, we would like to track people. How do we, uh, how do we do more of that? And mm -hmm. now that we can't do it in this way, how do we do it in a different way? Um, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't address the actual underlying uh, piece of it. So you'll actually see that start to, start to um, take shape now in uh, your like social advertising and things like that. That will actually have a lot of impact in that space. Um, uh -huh. Personalization, so typically with like larger corporations, when you, the user, come to like a landing page, they can actually backfill in a lot of third-party information. So they understand a lot of your interests. Um, and when I say they or you, it's the collective us. Um, right. But when we come to a, a web page, they already know a lot about you. So they can personalize that experience on the page. Mm -hmm. It's not to your benefit. It's to the collective like selling aspect of it. Um, yeah. We'll start to see different ways of that kind of like taking shape as well. I don't think it'll go away. Um, there's always a different way to do it. So it's interesting. There's a lot of technical papers out there on different methods of creating cohorts and other stuff that uh, describe an audience now. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting time from that angle. And um, that's, that's more of my night reading. What do you do on, what is your work when you're not working besides your children? <laughs> um, so uh, my partner and I, we, we tend to overinvest in our hobbies. So um, like a lot of people, we uh, went into woodworking um, over, over COVID, 
COVID yeah. break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've been doing a lot of that and uh, we do a lot of 3D printing. And uh, as, as something that fell out of that, we also do a lot of miniature making. So like little miniature huh. scenes of uh, uh, all various types. We're very geeky. So we've done a, a handful of like Mandalorian, Star Wars types of stuff. Nice. Um, but then also like random stuff like my 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 parents beehive we made a miniature of that um for christmas we made everybody our first woodworking project which felt a little furniture-esque um uh-huh. in its making it was a it was a blast and then naturally of course i've got it's i stay away from the like hand manual tools um because they're not complicated enough for me so we've got like you know uh, handheld cnc in the mix and stuff like that so um, I've, I've made sure to over engineer my own life uh, as opposed to everyone else's. Sounds like a fun household. It's a, there's no shortage of stuff for the kids to play with, that's for sure. So. <laughs> uh, Charlene, do you, do you have anything left for Sam before I ask Ooh. him his last question? Ooh, Sam, tell the listeners about the website that you built where you had to wait until someone made a certain decision to launch it. That was your project, right? <laughs> yeah, that was my project. Yeah, that's my random claim to fame. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to someone who does um, uh, sports uh, or is in sports in one fashion or another. Yeah, so one of our clients back in the day um, was LeBron James. And so I'm the guy that had to sit out of sight. Is the Naughty Mermaid even still down? Yeah, it's still there. I, oh, yeah, it's still, it's still there. Don't you worry. Yeah. Okay. I was so, just at Johnny's last week. Walked by it. <laughs> See. All right. Excellent. Um, so I've always enjoyed the burgers uh, at the Naughty. So I have to give at least some props there uh, before they expanded into even the two spaces. But regardless, I sat outside the Naughty Mermaid watching their TV because I wasn't actually allowed to know the decision for him moving, you know, away and because of that, I had three separate like scenarios coded up. And then I had to run upstairs and I could have sworn it was late at night when that decision happened. It was definitely so, I out. think you had to like launch it at like nine o'clock that night. Yeah, I think it was nine. Yeah. yeah. I think late, you know, now yeah. of course. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I really so confused. Put it up. Because you had a site for Miami, a site for Cleveland, and wasn't there a bull site? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was a yeah. Yeah, the third like random option just mm-hmm. in case because that was yeah. like the wild card option. There were two super yeah. likely wow. situations, and yeah, yeah, and of course, um, that's awesome. That's I am I'm not a sports guy. Um, uh-huh. I'll go to baseball games. I'll sit in, at a basketball game and enjoy it, but I know next to nothing. So, the most unlikely person, maybe the best. Um, yeah, the best person, person for the job. Yeah. Um, amusingly, when we were doing those websites for, for LeBron, um, Microsoft was working with them in order to do some of their video delivery. And this is before video was encoded for HTML. Like this is in the days of Flash, right? So like you had to have like Flash video to be like, it was just starting to get into different types of encoding and all sorts of random geeky stuff. Um, Microsoft platform could not deliver video in the formats we needed for like a modern website. And so we had to have discussions with them to preempt that, to then make it available. 
on their uh, content delivery network. And this is like just as Azure was like coming around and, and stuff like that. So another random, not really claim to claim, but it was it was an interesting time. Would I work with would I work with a a, a sports uh, individual again? Probably not. <laughs> just you wait till now i'm gonna go get you a website for a sports player of some for sort get ready. that'll be my new um, goal oh good you find a good one i'm sure they're out there i will don't you worry <laughs> sam what's one word you would use to describe yourself oh so if we go back to the in, the inventive piece of it right is that like you can a, choose a different one or you can say the same one <laughs> I can go differently now that I've had time to think. Um, now that we've talked. Yeah, that's a... Maybe novel is the better way to describe it. So my... These are good words. My, my solution is not usually expected. Uh, so I'm... I, I like to... I like to actually delight and surprise individuals with like just a good take on something or otherwise, uh, you know, a, a good idea. Um, sometimes good ideas are really simple. And um, that's, that's how I like to do it.